Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. All right, welcome back. Hope you guys are having a good week. Um, we're going to continue our, our series about uh, don't don't be bitter, be better. Uh, kind of looking again, uh, taking another look at those nine principles of training, of personal training, strength training, um, and and I don't want to just rehash them. I want to you know kind of go over what they are, why they're important. And give give a little deeper example of, of why these things need to happen and and and, and what we can do. Um, before I jump into that, I do have some good news. Um, a couple things, of good news actually. One, we are just days away now from our our app uh, being out on um, on iTunes and in the Google or the the Android Store, the Google Play. Um, I think it's going to come out on iTunes first, just just in the way I submitted things. So um, be on the lookout for that over the next couple days. Um, I we're in the, just the kind of the last process of getting getting everything squared away on the app developer side um, uh, with Apple and, and Google Play. But other than that, we should have an app within the next week. I would say um, it's going to have. Uh, the ability for us to push our personal training, uh, our online training, <clears throat> um, via our own uh, app that we built ourselves, and we're very proud of that. But we're also excited about having the function of having kind of a one-stop shop on your phone. Yeah, we have the website, and there will be a link there, and we have a YouTube page. There'll be a link there to all of our blogs and everything and exercises. Uh, a workout database it may not all be on there day one but <clears throat> excuse me we'll have the platform to continue to add things as we go so we're very excited about that so I couldn't be couldn't be happy about that um, and while I was talking about that I forgot about the other news we had there are two things I was going to talk about can't remember the second one so with that in mind, we're just going to jump right into the topic. I'm going to try to keep these short. Um, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to cover each one of these uh, little topics. Uh, not in depth, but a little closer look than, than what I've talked about in the past. So in no particular order, today we're going to talk about progression. Now, you can make an argument for all nine that they're important and, and basically what I mean by that is these nine principles have to be in place for a program to be effective for the lifespan now as I've said before you can ignore one or two or maybe even three of these principles for a short-term program like a you know nine to twelve week program or training cycle that you're in but that training cycle is part of a larger program and that a macro cycle, if you will. And, and a macro cycle may be as long as, say, like an Olympian, four years. You know, they it's broken up into maybe smaller macro cycles and mesocycles and micro cycles and things like that. But if you really look at it, their macro cycle is four years between competitions. Now, they may have smaller peaking times throughout 
then that's going to be a lot harder to manage a four-year period versus a you know uh one-year period for a traditional uh sport year in year in year out now um as i said when we look at these nine principles there's not one that's more important than the other however all of them it's hard to say they all you can make the case for all of them to be the most important but we're so with progression though and overload those are the the first two we'll talk about but to the progression today you really have to have it otherwise you'd go nowhere you don't make any progress i mean that's kind of in the name right so if if you have I'm trying to think of the best way to, to describe this. Re- regardless of whether you're lifting weights or you're running or swimming or whatever you're doing, you you need to have a plan in place on how you're going to get better. Like what is getting better? Defining what is better. <laughs> is it just when when these become easier, you make it harder? And you know that gets into overload, so they kind of overlap a little bit. But I'm I'm, I'm not trying to uh, get too too in depth in overload right now. But um, with the progression, there needs to be a system in place in which you move forward. So, like uh, some classic examples, uh, we we a lot of us know uh, the five three one method. Um, you know that that was developed um, to give you a a general strength progression, uh, working from five reps down to three reps down to one, you know, with increasing weights and, you know, there's a whole system to it. Uh, Wendler, Jim Wendler put it together and, and it's been proven very effective because it's not a specialty program necessarily. It's not a niche program. It works pretty well for general strength gains. And so it's been a very popular program. And because of that, there, there is a progression over those three, four, or five weeks, um, just like with any um, strength coach, they'll tell you you need to have, uh, pr- you know, le- in- increasing levels of difficulty. Now, again, that gets into the the overload. But if you think about, if I'm writing a program, a, a, a weightlifting program, there are different ways you can do this. If I have uh, you know, increasing percentages each week, you know, that's my progression. Or I could say, I'm going to stay at a certain weight and I'm going to do, you know, uh, I'm going to work with one to two reps this week. And I'm going to take that same weight next week and I'm going to work two to three reps, then three to five or, you know, so on and so forth. So the, the progression is I'm adding repetitions, even though the weight's the same. So there's different ways you can do that. Um, and progress and, and overload uh, as you go. I might as well just talk about overload now too. Uh, overload is simply uh, you know, challenging your body to do more than what you're currently doing. If you don't have any progression and you don't overload your system, your body's not going to change. Um, and we know that with over in overload, uh, the overload principle, if we don't... Um, I'll go, I'll go ahead and get a little science here. You've got your, you've got some mechanoreceptors in your body. Uh, you've got your um, Golgi tendon organs, GTOs, and your muscle spindles. And these mechanoreceptors, they change, they sense changes in length and tension. And when they do that, 
they send a contraction to your body or to your, they send a signal to your uh, CNS to then have a reaction. And that's generally uh, relaxing some muscles or flexing some muscles in order to protect because your body senses these changes in tension and length in the joint or pardon me, in the tendon or in the muscle, uh, depending on which structure we're talking about. And you get a response from your body back to help protect itself. But if you you know, listen to your body, I know it sounds weird, but if you never went beyond that, like if you started to do something and you got that tense feeling, you tightened up a little bit, oh, I'm not going to go any further. You never overload, you never push yourself beyond that or override that system, we would never grow. You know, because if we've got a weight, if I lay down and I grab the bar and the first time I do the bar, I do five reps and number six is like really challenging. Um, I just stop. Oh, okay, I'm not going to do any more. I'm not going to even try to do more than six because my body starts to fight me at six. Well, if you don't fight through that, you can override those systems. And that's how we grow. That's the overload principle in a very watered down way. But I... These two overlap so much that I, I felt I just had to say that. So back to progression. When we're talking about progressing yourself through a program, it's basically your your means at which you are going to, uh, how your overload is going to be played out over the next few weeks, months, years, whatever. Now, one of the things that I have found, and this is, this is where I want to get a little bit more uh, specific to people's daily routines we all get very much stuck in one particular area and that is our warm-up and maybe our cool down too but definitely our warm-up and this is something that even i have been guilty of with my clients and with myself you know through years of of working out and lifting you kind of know what works for yourself and works for your body but what you don't get is, is, you know, new ideas to help unlock other particular tight areas or um, more creative ways with your clients to warm them up or prep them for the movement. Now, hopefully you're choosing warm-up exercises that are pertinent to what you're going to be doing. Um, you know, the old school example is, you know, they used to have... I mean, even when I was playing football, uh, you know, we would go out and run 800 meters with our pads on to warm up. You know, like that obviously doesn't make any real sense for a football player, but that's what we did, right? Um, and so it has to be, you know, pertinent to what you're doing. But at the same time, it can also and should also be progressive. Your warm up should be progressive. For example, um, one of my favorite exercises is uh, um, a dumbbell external rotation, uh, kind of having your elbow supported on the inside of your knee, and, and it helps to really wake up those rotator cuff muscles, especially on days where I'm going to be pressing or, or pulling with the upper body. And I always talk to my clients about what, what we're warming up, why we're warming up, how it's going to help them. but. You know, I usually start with eight to 10 reps um, and I'll tell them when that gets easy, I don't necessarily need to go to a more advanced exercise because as we get more and more advanced exercises, it becomes just that an exercise. I can stick with that, but I can also 
have a progression. I can have, say, like if, if I give you the five pound dumbbell to do these external rotations, within a month, if you've come in two to three times a week and we've done that every time, you might be ready for that eight pounder or a 10 pounder or whatever. And and we should progressively overload that warm up as well. And I was I was kind of taking notes for this episode over the last week um, and and uh, mental notes here. And I was noticing people's warm ups. And I, obviously being conscious of it, I made sure that my clients were changing up their work, their warm ups. Um, but but because uh, again, I can be guilty of this too. But I was I was watching just our open gym members, what they come in and do and why and what some of our other trainers are having their clients do and why. And it's it's sometimes shocking when you see the people coming in and just don't only think about it. They just grab a PVC pipe and start rolling out their shoulders or they grab a band and start doing some side steps. And again, all of these things are great, but you know. It doesn't matter if they grab the pink band or the blue band or the red band. Well, they're all different tensions. It should matter. Um, how many how many roll you know shoulder rolls are you going to do? And you know, do you need to do more of that? Should you get the 15 pound training bar uh, and start doing some of those shoulder rolls? You know, more than just the PVC. Again, there are lots of questions you could ask yourself, but you could make the argument that prepping yourself with the same thing you've you prepped yourself with when you were a very beginner doesn't make a whole lot of sense so when we talk about progression and overload we always generally think about the uh the workout itself but don't forget about the warm-up overload and progression can definitely play into the warm-up so here's one very simple uh warm-up routine and way i progress it um, and I, I will give um, uh, <clears throat> really Charles Poliquin's probably the correct person to give credit for. Um, but but my old uh, my old boss uh, Chad Richards at Next Level Sports Performance in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, this was his standard warm up that he would have his clients do, and I loved it. And I've used it with a lot of my clients. I don't use it with every single one of my clients, but I'll use it for, for most of them. So, you know, we start out after the functional movement screen, we would pick what, you know, what areas they need most help with. And that'll help us decide which warm up exercises to do. But some of the staples were like glute bridges, um, a poliquin step up, which is basically like a single leg uh, uh, heel tap on a angled uh, box and it gets the VMO a little bit more uh, warmed up and we've got our like I said our glute bridges and those external rotations and there were a couple others but those were those three uh, are ones that I really keyed into um, and really adopted in putting into a lot of my warm-up routines that I would have my uh, clients use well the angle and the height of that incline for your poliquin step up can change over time the weight in the external rotation, as I already mentioned, can go up. The glute bridges can go from on the floor to on a bench to a single leg uh, to a pause. You know, so there's all kinds of variations you can do. And each variation is not just a variation, um, again, just to be different. Usually the variation would be represented because there is some sort of progression to it. 
And to make that more, a little bit more clear, I'm going to use um, some uh, plyometric exercises to kind of illustrate that point. If we look at plyometric exercises, there are all kinds of different jumps you can do. You can jump over a hurdle. You can jump over a hurdle sideways. You can do it with single legs. You can do it starting from a height and jumping down into a depth jump or jump up on a box or jump up on a box single leg or a million different other combinations. But believe it or not, when you're doing plyometrics, there is a progression. Not everyone is ready to do that. So the thought is, if I have, let's just say, um, you know, a new person in the gym and they're young and relatively healthy, have no injuries, they're just looking for, you know, a way to get a little stronger or whatever. If I wanted to have them do some plyometrics, the first day we're going to do things on both feet and we're going to do things either side to side or straight back and forth. I'm not going to add any, you know, boxes or any other elements. And they may ace that. They may be super easy for them. Okay, fine. You know, we can make it harder by having them do more or, you know, a certain amount in a certain amount of time. You know, we can we can make that harder, but at the same time, the skill itself is relatively basic. Then we can level up to, you know, doing a uh, a single leg variation or or maybe a box jump. We start low, we get higher, a depth jump. We start at like 16 inches and go up to 18 inches. Don't really want to do too much more than that. But uh, then you can jump over hurdles and then off a box, up onto another box. And you know, so you, you gradually progress. I might say, I want this person to jump off a box, do a depth jump, step off the box, depth jump into a long jump, which is one of my favorites. And I might look at this person and say, they're they're capable of doing that. In other words, if I asked them to go do it, they could go do it. But that doesn't mean their body is ready to do 15, 20 repetitions of that because of the deceleration and the change of um, momentum. And there's a lot of factors that their body may not be prepped for that. So I need to work them up and progress them up to that level of um, plyometric. Now, it may not take very long to get them there, but again, I plyometrics aren't just like a grab bag of things that you're going to pull out in one week. You do, you know, side to side and front to back, you know, jumps. And the next week you do, um, you know, uh, death jumps. And the next week you do box jumps and you can just plug and play your plyometrics. There needs to be a system. So I might do side to side, front to back, you know, single leg and double leg variations for the first two or three weeks. And then we progress to jumping side to side, front to back over a hurdle. It could be a low hurdle and we build that up. And then we can increase, you know, to box jumps or, or standing broad jump. Things that are relatively, you know, more uh, challenging as we go. And so same thing going back to what I was talking about with the warm up. The warm up needs to be progressive in nature as well. There needs to be a plan. Where should your client or you, if you're doing it, where should you be in a month with your with your warm up? Should I be doing the same thing? You know, if if this year you go from squatting 300 pounds to squatting, you know, 405, should your warm up progression change? Should you should you you know if if let's say you come in and you and you're maxing you know around 300 pounds and your warm up sets go like bar. 135, 185, 
205, 225, 275, then 300. Okay, that, that may be a lot of warm-ups, but if that's your warm-up, then do you go 130 or bar 135, you know, 185, 205, 225, 275, and then 405 if you've increased to 405? No, you're probably going to have a more warm-up sets, but you may not have that 185 anymore. Or you may not have the 205. You might take bigger jumps early on because you've gotten stronger. <clears throat> so your warm-up sets, your general warm-up, all of that can be progressive as well. It needs to be. So just a quick challenge for you personally or for your clients to go back and check their warm-ups, check your warm-ups, see if you've changed them over the last few years. And if not, try it. Have a good one.